You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. Welcome to our series through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're calling it Dirty Church. I want to invite you to grab your Bible, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, and get ready to study God's Word together. Hey, good morning, church. Wow. Wow. It's great to be with you this morning, and uh, welcome to our other campuses who are joining us and those who are watching online. You know, this weekend is the weekend before Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It's uh, actually tomorrow. It's on Monday. And and so I just wanted to take a moment to honor and celebrate Dr. King. Dr. King really um, consistently appealed to the the Christian principles of, of brotherly love and of freedom and of justice, and in so doing that, profoundly impacted the the civil rights movement and uh, really the history of the United States. And I think it's pretty safe to say that our nation wouldn't be in the place that it is right now without his efforts in that area, and that is worthy of acknowledgement and and celebration. Amen? Amen. Well, you know, church, we're we're a Bible church. Uh, I didn't know if you know Harvest Bible chapel. We're we're a Bible church. And what that means is that we go through books of of the Bible. We go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and and we really don't plan uh, for certain sermons to fall on certain days. We really don't, except for days like Easter or uh, days like Christmas, right? Uh, We we don't plan for certain sermons to, to fall on certain days. We just preach through the scriptures. And so I wanted to make really sure that we're very clear about the topic for today, because Martin Luther King Jr.'s life was really um, defined as someone who fought for his rights and for the rights of others, right? And uh, today we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 1 through 18, and in this scripture Paul is going to be arguing that we should lay down our rights. And so I want to make sure that we know that these are not contradictory things, these are not opposing, they are a different category. Uh, from each other, right? Uh, if you remember last week, Pastor Jeff uh, gave us a good word. It was adiaphora. There is right and there is wrong. And, and Martin Luther King didn't just fight for civil rights. He fought for what was right. He didn't fight for just civil rights. He fought for what was right. He opposed moral evil. And Paul, what he's going to be writing about here is not talking about right and wrong. He's talking about adiaphora, disputable matters, indifferences, They're not opposing ideas. In fact, Paul himself fights for his legal right when he is in prison, claiming to be a Roman citizen. Isaiah 1 tells us to seek justice and to correct oppression. These are not opposing ideas. And maybe I'm the only one who felt like this might be a little confusing. So um, you probably were like, yeah, no, I knew that. I knew, thank you for clarifying. But yeah, I knew the difference between those things. But thank you for a moment of of allowing me to clarify that. I just want to make sure we're clear. Clear? Clear. All right. Well, 1 Corinthians 9, I already told you where we're going to be. 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 1 through 18, the title of our time is Lay It Down. Lay It Down. And in chapter 9, we're going to study kind of half of of, of this chapter. It it really is a continuation of chapter 8. If you remember last week, there was a problem going on in the church where people uh, were eating 
um, meat that was sacrificed in pagan temples, and, and there was a dispute in the church. And so Paul comes along to, to kind of bring a resolution to that. And, and, and the resolution of it was, if it causes your brother or sister to stumble eating that meat, if it causes them to sin against their conscience, then lay that down. Don't eat meat. In fact, Paul himself says, if, uh, if it were to cause my brother to stumble, I would never eat meat again. The really important uh, word in that is if, which means that Paul probably kept eating meat. <laughs> but if it did cause a brother to stumble, he would stop, right? He would, he would never eat it again. But he was probably still continuing to eat meat. And so what he does in, in, in chapter nine is he, he gives a one big illustration, one big example of what this principle looks like lived out in his very life. And, and his big idea is this that the gospel of Christ is more important than I am. So I lay down my rights for the sake of unity in the church and the mission of Christ through the church, right? We know that division in the church creates disunity and it hinders the mission of Christ. We know that division does that dispute does that. And the gospel of Christ is more important than I am. So I lay down my rights for the sake of unity in the church and the mission of Christ through the church. So we're going to follow Paul's argument here. And in his argument, he's going to point to three things. Three things. Here's, here's the first thing. I have rights. I have rights. Paul is going to argue that rights exist and that he, as an apostle, has certain rights. And the way, I love this, the way that Paul argues this is that uh, he asks 16 rhetorical questions in just 12 verses. 16, he just peppers the Corinthians with rhetorical questions, just peppers them, right? So let's read. I'm gonna use the, the TV for the first time today. Uh, I don't know how it's gonna go. I've never done it before, but I thought it would be fun, you know? So let's do this together, right? So here we go, Paul, Paul starting 16 rhetorical, rhetorical questions. Imagine that we're the Corinthians, by the way receiving this letter from Paul, right? Paul saying, am I not free? Well, yes, Paul, you, you are free. Yes, the answer is yes. Am I, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Yes, Paul. Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Yes. Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? Paul established the, the church in Corinth. Yes. If to others I am not apostle, an apostle, at least I am to you for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. So remember we talked about Paul saying, if it would cause a brother to assemble, I would never eat meat again. Well, Paul, you don't eat, you know, you're, you're continuing to eat meat. This is his defense to those who would examine him in this area. Now he's going to give an example. He's gonna give an illustration. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, this here is, uh, Cephas is Peter. Okay, so if you've ever heard someone mention that Peter was married um, and you're like, man, where on earth, like do they get that idea that, that Peter is married? Uh, it's right here, right here. So, you know, the more you know. Okay. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a, as a soldier at his own expense? No one. Who plants a, a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? No one. Who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? No one. Do I say these things on human authority? 
Does not the law say the same? We're going to come back to these verses in a moment. We're going to go through all of it and then come back. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Uh, Is it for the oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Right now, that's 16 rhetorical questions in just 12 verses, one after another, peppering them with rhetorical questions. Now, I just a side note, by the way, maybe don't try this type of argumentation with your spouse, okay? Just peppering them with rhetorical questions. Um, I tried it for you, and uh, it didn't go well, so, <laughs> okay? Learn from me. Paul, on the other hand, he did a good job with this argument, right? He, he did a good job. He is arguing and persuading his hearers, the Corinthians, that he is most certainly correct about this, that there is a right that is directly connected to his gospel ministry. And that right is that he should be supported financially by the church. And he has no problem talking about this. And he truly believes this. He, this, is, this is a right. He is all in on this idea. He's no problem talking about the subject of money and a paycheck from the church, although it makes me kind of want to throw up a little bit, right? So first he's, he's making a case. He, he is an apostle, right? Then he, he makes the case that it's, it, it's a right. Do you see it in verse four uh, through seven? He says, do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles? Is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living, right? He is directly connecting his argument to a right. It is a right. As an apostle of, of Jesus, he has a right to make a living from the gospel. He then goes on to open it up, not just to apostles, but to all ministers of the gospel, especially in 1 Timothy 5. But here he is making sure that the Corinthians know that this is a right that he absolutely has. Then he argues it through scripture. In uh, verse eight, he says, do I say these things on human authority? Do I say these things on human authority? Well, Paul just gave a bunch of human examples, but it's not just human authority. It's also in the law. Does the law not say that you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain? The, The picture here, the image of this is that there would be something called the threshing floor. It was this big flat circle and they would put their crops on the threshing floor and the ox would walk around in a circle on top of the crops and it would separate the edible part of the crop, the grain from the inedible part of the crop, which was called the chaff. And so as that was happening, as the ox would be working on the, on the, on the threshing floor, uh, it would get hungry because work is hard. And so it would dip its head down and it would eat some of the grain and keep working and keep working. And then it would dip some of its its head down and eat some of the grain and keep working and working, right? And so to save money, the farmers were like, no, 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 stop that because ox are huge and that's a lot of grain that they're eating. So let's put a muzzle on their face so that they can't do that anymore. And the law says, don't do that. Don't do that. The, The animal deserves to eat because it is working, right? Working hard, like work hard, eat hard. Like, that's my motto. You know, I don't know about you. <laughs> Work hard, eat hard. And, and, and so they, 
Paul moves on from this. He's showing them a picture and he says, is it for the oxen that God is concerned? Is he, is he just truly concerned about the ox? Well, sure, you know, God, God, God loves the ox, right? God loves all the animals in the world except for cats, right? Like that's just, <laughs> but really this illustration is, is for our sake. It's for our sake. It's called an argument from the lesser to the greater, right? So if God cares about the ox in this way, if God cares about the ox in this way, how much more does he care about you and I in this way? So he uses uh, scripture to make his case. Uh, then he uses comparison here at the end. He says, if others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Do not we even more? Uh, the Corinthians were, sport, were supporting other ministers of the gospel uh, financially. And so surely the, the one who came, Paul, who came and established the church, he, he would even have this rightful claim even more so than, than they would, right? This is, this is what he's arguing. In Paul's mind, this is absolutely a right. It was absolutely deserved for him. It was absolutely a right. So I think the question is like, so do we have rights like, like Paul does? Well, sure, of course, of course we do, right? Remember last week, Jeff gave us a word, a diaphora. A diaphora. Some of you might know that term by uh, something like Christian liberty or Christian freedom or Christian rights, right? It's this big category. It's not in the category of right. It's not in the category of wrong. It is a diaphora. It's in the middle. And it encompasses things like the, the clothes that I wear. Um, if I should get piercings or tattoos or wear makeup or if I'm able to dance or drink, or watch movies, or listen to music, or watch TV shows, right? We've kind of all heard, if you've heard of Christian freedom or liberty, you've heard of those examples. But let me just tell you, it goes beyond that. A diaphora is, is a large category. It goes even beyond that. Like with, how do, how do I use my time? How do I use my time? We have a lot of freedom in the area of time, because God doesn't give us a daily planner in the Bible of what each one of our days should look like. And so there is freedom in the Lord to, to do what I would like to do with, with my time? What about how I use my talents or my abilities, right? Should I just use them for the Lord or, or, or can I use them for my own enjoyment? Can I, can I use them to enhance, enhance my life? There's freedom in that area. Well, how about, how about how I use my money? Do I give it all away or, or, or can I spend some of it on, on the things that I like and and maybe things that enhance my family. There's freedom in these areas. A diaphora, where the Bible doesn't strictly prohibit something, where it doesn't delineate on an issue, there is Christian freedom. Now, now does that mean that we can just do whatever we want and go completely off the rails in, in this realm? Everyone shake their head. No, no, that does not mean that, right? We still need to use wisdom. We need to use wisdom. And Jeff, I think, gave us some really great principles last week at the end of his message about this category of a diaphora that I want to give us again as a way of review because I think they're really important in helping us think through this category. Uh, first is that it starts with good theology. It starts with good theology. I need to make sure that I am thinking rightly about what the Bible has to say about my time, talents, my money, drinking, uh, what I wear and what I watch. What principles does the Bible have about these areas because that is what is going to inform the way that I live, right? So I have to start, the, the starting point is with good, proper theology of what God's word says. 
Second is to embrace indifference. We have grace for one another. We are no longer under the law. We have grace for one another in this area of Christian freedom and liberty, right? We don't become legalistic, forcing our convictions in these disputable matters upon each other as if it is the scripture. We don't do that. We, we embrace indifference. We build up one another in love. We don't tear down one another. We use grace. And that's the last thing as well, is we, we use our freedom to build up, not to tear down. We use it to build each other up, not to tear each other down. And now I know I just spent a, a good chunk of time uh, talking about our rights and Paul's rights, uh, because that's where Paul spends a good chunk of his time, 12 verses talking about this. But I, but I really don't want us to get lost in this, okay? Because while he is definitely providing a clear example that ministers in the gospel should be taken care of financially by the church, and that it is a right for Paul, it isn't actually the point of his argument. It's not the point of his whole argument. He isn't saying all of this so that he can get paid. He isn't saying, wake up, Corinthians, wake up, show me the money, right? He's not doing that. That's not what Paul is doing here. In fact, we're gonna find out in just a moment that he has received no money from the Corinthians and he never wants to. So while yes, I have rights, I have them, but we need to understand that my rights can hinder the gospel. My rights can hinder the gospel. Now, I love this next set of verses because of how relatable this is. Like Paul starts to get into his main argument. He like starts off strong and, uh, and then he, he's, he's getting into it. He's like, here I go. I'm about to, to drop the main argument. And then it seems like he remembers another example of what he was doing before. And he's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Well, but one more thing. Okay, one more thing. I want, I want to show you. I want to make sure that you've got this, right? So starting the argument, nevertheless, even though that's my right, it's my right, I have a right to this. Nevertheless, we have uh, never made use of this right. We've never been financially supported by you. We've never demanded this. We've never received it. But we endure anything rather than put an obstacle or hindrance in the way of the gospel of Christ. This is his, the start of his main argument. And then he seemingly is like, all right, but also I remember uh, one more example. Do you not know <laughs> that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial altar uh, offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. See how he starts and then kind of goes right back. He's like, listen, I actually, I had one more rhetorical question that I needed to ask you. So that's 17 now. And uh, that, that really what he's making an argument out of is in that uh, going back to it is he's, he's showing that it's common. It's common. It's, this isn't a new thing. This isn't something that is uncommon in, in the world. In fact, this happens in the temple all the time they, they grill up the meat as they are sacrificing it in the temple and, and then they they eat it they're taken care of by by the temple this this actually reminds me of my dad uh whenever he grills on uh you know when he when he's cooking the meat on the grill and um he never after he does that he, he never eats dinner with us because the whole time that he is cooking the meat on the grill it's smelling good those of you who grill, you know, who barbecue, you know this, right? It starts to, there's a point where it just starts to smell really good. And you're like, so maybe I should try. I got to make sure that it tastes good, right? 
And so before you know it, uh, he's full. He doesn't even eat dinner with us. He's, he's just eating the meat off of, off of the grill. It's kind of the same thing that we're seeing here is that the, the, the people in the temple who grilled up the meat, they're like, that smells good. I'm going to also eat it. I got a snack on it, right? But really what I want to do here is, is I want to focus on the start of his main argument, which is nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Paul received no money from the church in Corinth, but they endured anything rather than put an obstacle or a hindrance in the way of the gospel. So here it is. I absolutely have rights. I absolutely have rights, but my rights can hinder the gospel. They can put obstacles in in the way of the gospel. Now, we don't know exactly what specific obstacle um, would get in the way of uh, if Paul got paid by the church. It it doesn't say, it doesn't elaborate on that. Uh, We we don't know. We can kind of only speculate. So if you'll allow me uh, to give you a possible scenario of what what might the obstacle be um, from Paul getting paid uh, by the church in Corinth. I think it's because of the region in which the church is in, which is... Uh, Greece. And another very popular thing in ancient Greece was, were people called sophists. And sophists were uh, professional teachers. They were itinerant pre- uh, teachers and they would travel from city to city to city and they would teach and give away their knowledge for payment. And so I think that Paul here doesn't want the believers of Corinth to think that he was like the sophists just doing all of this for the sake of a paycheck, doing all of this for, for money. Maybe that was the obstacle. And, and that's not so hard to understand for us, right? That's not so hard to understand. We, we see this in our world too, don't we? That there are people who abuse the right to be paid for ministry work, not just living from the gospel, but truly becoming rich from it. We know this, we, 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 we see this in our world. And I want to make sure that, that, that we're clear is that, that this isn't just about money. I know that Paul is speaking about it in terms of money, but he's giving an example of his life. This is a greater principle for us, that our rights can truly hinder the gospel. And the thing is, is I don't think that we personally think about it that way a lot, right? We don't think about it that way a, a, a ton, that our rights can hinder the gospel, especially in America, right? In America, our attitude towards rights is a bit like, oh, you wanna take, you wanna take away my rights? You wanna, come at, you wanna come at my rights? You want me to lay down my rights? Come and get them, you know what I mean? Like that's like kind of like the, like the <laughs> it's kind of the, like the, the view of like, oh, huh? And yeah, we, we think about that, uh, you know, in our, with our American rights, but th- that, then that pervasive idea, it bleeds over into our Christian rights. It, it, it bleeds over into our, our, our Christian freedoms. We don't just think about that about my civilian rights. We think about that like our, our Christian freedoms in a diaphora. They're, they're my rights. I, I can live however I want within my rights because they're my rights. They're mine. I have them. They're mine. I could do what I want with them. They're mine, right? Do you guys remember, um, <laughs> that was a long time ago, on, on the TV, they had the J.G. The Wentworth commercials. Do you guys remember those? 
where the <laughs> it's my money and I need it now. You know, that would be like open up the window of the house and just shout it. Yeah, this right here. Yeah, remember this one? It's my money and I need it now. The guy shouting to his lawn, like weirdly, like as if his lawn cares about that, <laughs> right? It's my money, I need it now. That's what we're like with our rights, right? They're my rights and I want to use them now. It's my right and I want to use it now. We have, we have a very selfish view of, of our rights. I'm not considering others. I just want to do what I want to do. It is my Christian freedom. And we don't even realize and we don't even consider that my Christian freedoms, my Christian rights can place an obstacle in the way of the gospel. And they absolutely can. We need to be aware of that as a, as a church as Christians, we need to think about what, what rights do I have that can place an obstacle in the way of the gospel? That word obstacle here, it's the same language as stumbling block in, in chapter eight, same language. Putting an obstacle up for, for a brother or sister that they trip over and fall. What rights do I have that can place an obstacle? I'm not saying that all of our rights place obstacles, but they absolutely can, and we need to be aware of that. And so what are those? What, what about for the people in, in my family, in my home? What Christian rights or freedoms am I practicing or exercising that could put an obstacle in the way of the gospel in my family? Maybe something like drinking, maybe something like the movies that I watch or the TV shows that I watch. What about for the people in my growth group, my community group, in my, in my study group? Am I putting an obstacle in the way of the gospel for them through the exercising of my Christian freedoms? What about my church family here? What about the people I'm ministering to inside and outside of the church? Is my Christian freedom, my Christian right, my idea for them, am I putting an obstacle, a stumbling block in the way of my brothers and sisters? Have I ever even thought about this? We must be aware that while, yes, we have rights in the Christian faith, those rights can hinder the gospel. They can create division and disunity in the church, and it can hurt the mission of Christ going forward. So what must we do? If I have rights, but they, those rights can, can hinder the gospel, what must we do? We let nothing hinder the gospel. We let nothing hinder the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember when uh, Paul started and then stopped his argument? He's back to it. Again, same language. But I have made no use of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. So Paul has never received uh, payment or financial support from the church at Corinth, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. He's not making this argument to get financial support from the Corinthians. This isn't some passive, aggressive, like, hey, look, it's, this is all right. Now, uh, you know, like I haven't, I haven't exercised these rights over you, but you know, maybe now. No, he's never received it and he never wants to. He never wants to. And, and then he, he goes even further. He uses even stronger uh, language for I would rather die. 
We're, we're starting to get a little bit of an insight into, into Paul's mindset as he thinks about uh, this, 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 this topic. First of, the thing, first of all, he's, he's passionate about it, right? He is absolutely, he is sold out to the idea, sold out to it, to lay down his rights, to not put an obstacle in the way of the gospel. He's absolutely sold out to this idea. Uh, last chapter and chapter eight, he says, uh, if, if it caused my brother to stumble, I would never eat meat again. Here he says that in, I, instead of getting, I, I would rather lay this down. I don't want it from you. I never got it from you. I don't want it from you. I, I, I will lay this down. I would rather die than to lose, he, he says, uh, to have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. I would rather die. He's passionate about this idea, laying down his rights for the sake of the gospel and for others, but also he has a personal motivation. You see it? That anyone would deprive me of my ground for boasting. Now, I think it's really important. We need to talk about this word boasting and, and what, does it, what does it mean? Um, it's not in the kind of the worldly sense as, as we would think. Like Paul isn't saying, uh, I'm gonna go around, look at me, I'm Paul. I lay down my rights. I'm amazing, aren't I? <laughs> like truly, I'm like pretty great. Like I'm a, hi, me, Apostle Paul, awesome, right? In fact, they call me the awesome apostle, right? Like, no, it's not what he's, that's not the boasting he's talking about. Instead, this type of boasting that, that he's referencing is, is an eternal boast. It's an eternal perspective. It is a, it, it, he, he considers this laying down, the, the lack of financial support, it, it will cause him distress, a worldly, you know, suffering, sacrifice, but he considers it a boast because of the reward of heaven. That the suffering that he faces for the sake of the gospel will earn him crowns to cast at the feet of Jesus. And Paul really, really wants to give God glory. In fact, he would rather die than have that taken away from him. He goes on in verse 16. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, right? Jesus gave Paul a mission and it was to preach the gospel. So if I preach, if I do the thing, just the thing that Jesus said, that, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. He, my master gave me a mission. I have to do it, right? And woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I do not do what the master told me to do. For I do the, if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if, I, if not of my own will, maybe I don't want to preach, but I, I, I'm still entrusted with the stewardship because Jesus gave me a mission to preach. And so I, I have to do this. So then what then is my reward? What then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Paul truly, really views the laying down of his rights as a privilege. You see it? He views it as a privilege, the privilege of, of offering the, the gospel free of charge. It's not a curse. It's a reward to be able to model the free gospel with his ministry, it's a reward. It's a privilege, not a curse. Think about this in your family, in the family dynamic, right? Men, you go and you have a long, hard day of work, right? You're working hard for your family and you come home. 
and you're, you're tired because you worked hard. You, it's certainly within your freedom, within your right to rest, right? To rest a little bit, to relax a little bit. It's within your freedom and your right to do so. But then you walk in, you open the door, your kids run up to you and they're like, dad, let's play. And what do you do? You lay down your freedom, your right to rest and relax, and you joyfully sacrifice that to play and spend time with your beautiful kids, right? And it's not a curse, although sometimes it feels like that, right? At the end of the day, we all realize that it is a, it is a privilege. It is a privilege to be able to spend time with our kids or with our spouse. Uh, women, you would do anything for your kids, right? Anything. Laying down almost all of your sleep. Praise God for you, right? Laying down all of your free time. I mean, even to the point of laying down your life for them, right? This is how strongly you feel. It's, and it's not viewed as a curse, is it? It's not. It's viewed as, as a privilege because of your great love for them. In our family, we're constantly doing this too. In our families, we're constantly laying down our rights and our freedoms for one another. Sometimes, sure, we do it with crumbling, right? But at the end of the day, we understand and know that it is truly a privilege because we love them. And church, I'm telling you that this is how the body of Christ should be. The family of God willing to lay down our rights and freedoms for one another out of our great love for each other. I mean, think about how Jesus viewed this. He's the ultimate example of this, really. Philippians 2, right? He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant from, from God in heaven to servant on earth. He humbled himself. He laid down his rights. And not only that, he, he laid down his rights... Uh, as he went to the cross. And he went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. He's the perfect model of, of this behavior in our lives. And Paul here is he's modeling this for the Corinthians, and he's also modeling it for, for us so that we would do the, the, the same thing, laying down our rights, sacrificing our rights, not hindering the gospel. It is not a curse to grumble over, but a privilege to rejoice in. And listen, it will lead to the unity of the church and the mission of Christ going forward in our world because the gospel of Christ is more important than me. It's more important than I am. It is more important than my rights. And so I lay my rights down for the sake of unity in the church and the mission of Christ through the church. So some, some questions that should determine our, our path for life, they, they shouldn't be things like, what do I deserve? What do I deserve? What, what, what's best for, for me? Instead, they should be things like, what brings God the most glory? What moves the gospel forward best? What will remove roadblocks for the gospel in my life? What, what rights am I unwilling to, to lay down for my brothers and sisters? And God, would you work on those first in my life? Let's ask ourselves those questions as we go about our week this week. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the example that Paul gives us. Lord, it is true. You have given us freedom in Christ. You have given us 
rights in, in faith. And so, Lord, we first of all, thank you for that. We thank you for the freedom. But, Lord, we, we understand through your word that those freedoms, those rights can hinder the work of your gospel going forward in our church and in our world. And so, Lord, would we just, would we be first and foremost, would we be aware of that? Would we be able to look into our life and see the rights that we're exercising and where those might be putting up obstacles or stumbling blocks for our brothers and sisters? And Lord, would you help us to truly lay those things down joyfully? Not in grumbling, but would we, out of love for each other, would we lay those down? Would we truly be a church that lets nothing hinder your gospel? Lord, help us to do that. That is not an easy thing. We need uh, your help through the power of your Holy Spirit at work within us. So Lord, change us. Help us to see these areas. Help us to examine ourselves this week and help us to change. Lord, we need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. For more information on how to get connected to one of our campuses, go to harvestbiblechapel.org. Tune in again next week for another edition of the Harvest Bible Chapel podcast.